0: What is science? Is this science? Is that science? How does someone even do science? What makes someone a scientist? And how did they learn to science? In this podcast, we answer these questions and more while talking to great guests from across the sciences and having just a little bit of fun. Welcome to Is This Science?
1: This is episode number 11. 11, so welcome to episode number 11. We finally passed double digits. Yeah. We're almost at 500 listens, which I'm very excited about. It's a threshold. Um, I'm, re- I'm ready. <laughs> it's a threshold that we we're just like hoping we pass. We might have passed it this morning. I'll check at some point. Um, but yeah, we're really excited about that. And also we have two guests with us today. Um, we have Dr. Tom Kaufman and... Mel, are you a doctor? I didn't oh, know.
2: Oh, no. Okay. okay, and we have <laughs> such an extreme response. Okay, fun. I
1: couldn't remember. Um, and we have Melissa Phelps. They're both um, scientists at Indiana University. And so how's everyone doing this morning? Fine. I'm hanging in there. You're
0: hanging
1: yeah.
3: in there? Eyes yep. dilated, ready to go. Eyes are dilated, giant pupils. Yep,
2: ready to go. Yeah. Some <laughs> glasses. It's a very rainy day today. It is rainy. Um, I'm doing, I'm doing good. Nothing, nothing super exciting going on over here. (laughs) Working a lot as
1: always. (laughs) I've like, I messed up my whole life by like, when we went into the, the lockdown, I gave myself a side project for bioinformatics being like, oh, it's fine. But now it's just like taking over my life a little bit. And Mm -hmm. so that's a little sad. Which is exciting because it means things are working out. It is really cool, but it is taking over my life a little bit. Yeah. Um, But now I've moved to writing a draft of my first paper.
2: Ooh, the most fun process of science. Almost as fun as grant writing.
1: <laughs> so that's where we're at. So, what? Uh, so, Tom and Mel, if you want to introduce yourselves, who you are, what your position is, where do you work, things like that.
0: You want to go not... first? You go, go first. Ahead. Me? Yeah, you. Yeah, I'm a, <clears throat> a distinguished professor emeritus at Indiana University, and I do fly genetics and development. And I was heartened to hear this morning in the news that a large portion of the American populace think that we should stop using Arabic numerals.
2: Oh, that's the thing I hadn't heard yet.
0: Oh, hear yeah. That's that, that survey just came out.
1: Oh God.
0: We're all going <sighs> to revert to Roman numerals now. And get rid of the zeros too. We can't have any zeros.
2: Oh yeah. There's no Roman numeral for zero, is there?
0: Oh. And there's no decimal. They didn't have a zero. Places. No decimal places either.
2: <laughs> yeah. These news things that you come up with, Tom, make
3: my face do this, and I don't. I don't, I don't like
0: know. that. What? Oh,
3: goodness.
2: It looks. It looks a lot more intense with the sunglasses on. I, I know, like.
3: right? No, you're making my face like like ugh <laughs> from these news reports. It's terrible. Um. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Melissa Phelps. I'm a uh, lab tech. I was a lab tech for Tom for almost 15 years um, until I shifted gears and joined Irene Newton's lab um, in June
2: during uh, the pandemic year. The unending pandemic.
1: <laughs> yes. is. there is a light. Yes, a light.
2: I can see the light.
3: It's there. Behind yeah. all of my glasses.
1: <laughs> those, since this is an auditory podcast that you can't see but mel is wearing both her seeing glasses and her sunglasses
2: yep wanted to be super cool for our recording today <laughs> that's right yes uh, that's right.
1: but yes so the so what we like to do in our podcast is how to knots uh these are optional for both of you but you're both welcome to participate So the how to knots are talking, it's a kind of just like a funny story of something like a whoops that you've done in science. So some examples are uh, Caitlin has accidentally thrown a micropipette into the ocean um, off a boat. I've accidentally set up chambers for embryo collections, but with only males. Uh, Just like things that you kind of do without thinking, but looking back, it's funny. And these are just to normalize that scientists do make mistakes sometimes in lab and that we are humans. Um, so if either of you have one, you're more than welcome to include one. If not, we have a backup from a listener that we can read.
3: <laughs> I I could do a whole episode on this sort of stuff.
1: <laughs> You did uh, that. I thought it was um, I mean Caitlin and I have done so many.
3: <laughs> but I will I will tell my um Haley got a fire story, um, which has made it onto my email. Um, Signature. I'm oh, so no.
1: excited for the story because I've, and I've, I've kept it
3: there. And it's all, a lot of fun, actually, because some people notice it and comment on it. And I'm sure other people notice it and don't comment on it. And I'm sure an even higher number of people never even see it. Um, but I was running um, in Tom's lab, I was running 2D gels for a while. And I had just set up the second dimension, which is a very large pore gel. Um, that has an IEF strip that runs across the top that has previously run for, in this case, that that strip had run for 36 hours. So this this is a long protocol. And um, I'd set it up to run that second dimension into another gel, um, which is an electrophoresis gel. Um, So there's an electric pulse that goes into the buffers. And um, just as I set it up, um, I walked away for a bit and Tom said, I'm going to go get a sandwich. And I said, I will join you. And so Tom and I walked very merrily to subway, got our sandwich, came back and we got in the hall and I was like, man, it smells like something is smoky. Oh no. He goes, yeah, I smell it too. And we walked in the lab and said to Tank, do you smell that? And he said, Nope. And we walked through and, or I walked through and I think Tom walked around to go to his office and I was like, man, it is really strong right here. And I look in the fridge and all of the buffer that sits in the top chamber had leaked out. And now was arcing from the pulse coming in and setting the little plastic piece that is supposed to hold all that buffer in that wasn't on fire. (laughs) So it was just the spark coming out and all of that smoke was coming through the four degree box that the whole chamber was set up in. And straight across that walkway into the hood that sat opposite. So you could smell it in the hallway. You oh. could smell it as you walk through between the hood and the four degree. And you couldn't smell it anywhere else.
2: Whoa. That was a weirdly contained <laughs> fire. That's so, that's, that's yes. bad luck right there. Bad luck. So the-
3: that gel was dead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. Probably <laughs> all of the equipment nearby. <laughs>
3: Yes, and by the next day, Tank had plastered throughout the lab pictures of me superimposed on Pele, goddess of fire, (laughs) um, with the volcanoes and the whole nine yards behind me, um, and wow, (laughs) I decided when someone calls you a goddess of something, you take it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh,
1: for sure.
2: That is definitely, that is definitely a a goddess-like thing to, to do, is to, like, set something on fire.
1: <laughs> so there it
3: is. So that's my, that's my how to not. I guess how to not is re- be really, really, really sure that your top chamber has <laughs> up in it and is not slowly leaking out.
2: Um, well, I'm glad to know that Tank didn't just ignore the smell of burning for a while. I was really <laughs> concerned that he was not here to defend himself. <laughs>
0: well, there's, there's, there's another part of this tank not smelling the thing too. He's a right. smoker.
2: Oh, yeah. So he probably wouldn't smell he it. Wouldn't he have anyway. anything. Oh, no. <laughs> what a bad, yeah. bad day. Uh, oh. So, what you're saying, though, is this really Tom's fault for wanting to get a sandwich? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, he saved us, really. I
3: mean, yeah. saved the whole thing because otherwise it would have just gone overnight and caught the whole thing on fire.
2: Oh, true. <laughs> okay.
3: Never
0: mind.
2: Sandwiches saved the day.
0: This <laughs> is a tradition in the lab, though. Years ago, Kathy Matthews wanted to. You know what a desiccation chamber is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. You put dryerite in the bottom of it. And uh, and it had changed color and she needed to dry it out. So she took all of the stuff out of the chamber, put it into an oven, heating oven to dry out the dryerite, which is what you do. She neglected to note that this desiccation chamber was plastic. Oh no. Billows of black smoke came pouring out of the lab. It literally <laughs> caught fire and destroyed the oven that it was in. And it was only because of the black smoke. Now this is this is a really smart person, right? Yep.
3: Yeah. She ran the flies on her for years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And she just some neuron misfired or some. She yep. She I, knew knew I also told fire. a story
2: about melting plastic in the lab. It, it <laughs> mm-hmm. She's also like, a very intelligent person. Yeah.
0: Most most people are, I guess, of her age were used the glass desiccation chambers.
2: Yep. I think all the ones we have are glass, but yeah. Now, now I'm gonna check because now I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I think so <laughs> though.
0: And you want another horror story again? Oh
2: yes, more. <laughs>
0: There was this was back in the days when people were running uh, sequencing gels, and they did those gradient gels that were narrow at the top and fat at the bottom, and you had to run a power supply of about 2,000 volts. Well, for these things, these these were monster monster power supplies. And there's a rule: from every power supply runs every gel, even the ones that Melissa tried to burn up the lab with. You always, when you're taken down the gel, you disconnect the leads from the power supply.
3: Always, always, always.
0: Okay. Supposed to do that. So this young man in Barry Poliski's lab, who is no longer here, uh, because he moved, not because he died. He <laughs> not
2: because of the story. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and he, he pulled the leads out of the gel box. He shut off the power supply. Okay, that's good. Pulled the leads out of the gel box instead of out of the power supply and then put both leads in one hand. Now what he neglected to remember was that there's a giant capacitor inside. And so if the thing had actually been on it would have killed him but the capacitor discharged through the two leads in contact into his left hand and it blew him across the room, against the wall, and Whoa. took all took all the flesh off the palm of his hand.
2: Oh my gosh, that probably smelled great too.
0: Yeah. Well.
2: Oh, well, that definitely did not smell great. No. Yeah, but
0: if, you know, somebody my age, if that had happened, that had been the end of cardiac function. And and you know, he was lucky. He was young, and he survived. Wow. There that are is- safe, there are safety rules in labs for a reason. You know. Yeah. You to, yes. You have to be careful. There's dangerous stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think sometimes we do get a little too comfortable in there. We forget yeah. that we're working with like power and acids and stuff.
0: Yeah. And it's, you no. know, remember the days of ultra centrifuges always balance your rotor. Yeah. Cause we have one of those in the lab and I fun. get
2: every time it turns on, I'm like waiting, I'm waiting for the noise. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, there are stories of rotors going through the sides of ultra centrifuges. Yeah. Because they weren't balanced. So
1: I I just, I can't every time I like, because the maxi prep centrifuge is directly behind me. And every time someone turns it on, I'm like, it's just going to shoot me. um, This is it. This is it. I I trust Brandon with my life. But every time I just get a little concerned that he's not going to balance it, it's going to shoot through my body.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, yeah, we
2: keep our ultra on the other side of the lab for a reason.
0: <laughs> yeah, and always strap up your CO2, CO2. and nitrogen tanks.
2: Oh yeah, that's because if one of point. those
0: goes over and it shears off the the regulator. You're you're gonna have an exciting time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's just gonna be ricochet across the that's,
0: lab. That's right. It's gonna be you know, oh god, rocket ship nineteen <laughs> all yeah. over the lab.
1: Oh, no. ours, are, ours are, like, chained to the wall with, like, the smallest chain. Like, I'm pretty sure the chain won't be much help, but...
2: Oh, we have the <laughs> ratchet straps.
1: We have ratchet straps on some of them, but we have so many CO2 tanks, obviously. Oh, yeah, fair. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, so, well. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm trying to think of something stupid that I did. I, <laughs> I, I'm sure. But, but, hey, it's all been erased from my brain. I, you know, I, I can remember destroying whole trays of vials because I and one time Minx Fuller put a tray of bottles on top of a set of crosses I had done. And and this was a set of crosses that was of like 10 generations. And I was in the final generation and she asphyxiated all the flies. Like, oh
2: no. Oh, oh no. Oh. I would I would throw a tray of food if that <laughs> happened.
0: That, that, that I came pretty close to a murder. <laughs> well,
2: I mean, yeah, I,
3: ten generations come up with ways that people have basically subterfuged us. <laughs> but yeah. I think the idea is how how yeah. uh, the mistakes that we've made. Yeah,
1: of <laughs> course. And like for everyone who doesn't work with flies, like ten generations, like that's months of work at that point.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, well, there are, oh, I, you know, I know things that I didn't think about all the crosses of the fact that in the third generation of some constructions that all the males were sterile. That's, that's, oh. That's, you know, you're, oh, Oops. geez, you know, <laughs> yeah. what, were, what were you thinking?
2: Yep.
0: Well, you weren't. That's the problem.
2: Yep. yep. Happens to the best of us. <laughs>
0: yes. So you're gonna do this X Files thing?
1: Oh okay. yeah!
0: The death doesn't come next, or what?
1: <laughs> first, we're gonna ask. Um, so first, I'll ask you what your background and research is. So,
0: um, where, where you, I started with, well, you know, I was a nerd kid. I grew up in Burbank, California. Can you believe that? Burbank, California.
3: You and move we, were very, here?
0: we were very close to place called Griffith Park, okay, which is, you know, uh, uh, in Rebel with a Cause or Without a Cause or whatever, the, the planetarium that's in, in that movie where James Dean goes and does what he does, that planetarium is in Griffith Park, and so is the Hollywood Bowl is near there, and I mean, we used to ride our bikes up in Griffith Park which was pristine back then. Remember, this is back in the Pleistocene, right? So (laughs) so there were streams that had planaria in them and there were these lovely little tree frogs and there were a couple of different species of bufo and there was a water retention place where crayfish could be found. And we used to go and collect all this stuff and get the tadpoles. And so that's how I got started in science. And then I had two really great biology teachers in high school who I just love, Mr. Johnson and Mr. Murphy. And uh, and so I went off, I, I thought I would become a doctor and uh, because my father was a doctor. And I found out what pre-medical students are really like and I just said, I don't wanna to belong to a group like that. Those people are horrible. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, Switched to just a biology major. And uh, in that time, I got a job working in the stockroom. And a new faculty member came uh, named George Lefebvre, who the fly people will know who that is. He's the guy that did the beautiful photographic maps of the polythene chromosome. And I was there, I watched him do it. And there was no such thing as Photoshop in those days. That was all done in the dark anyway so I found I that's where I started my love of flies and and I I set up crosses and did independent projects and things like that and I was trying to decide what to do where to go to graduate school and George suggested some places and where there were three fly people and I ended up going to Texas and worked with Burke Judd and and I've been doing flies ever since so I've actually been doing Drosophila genetics since I was an undergraduate. So wow. and that know, and that's a long time ago.
2: <laughs> we won't ask you the year.
0: <laughs> no, no, I don't care. I'm 76 years old. So uh, it was it was in the late 50s, early 60s. So I, I graduated. I went to Texas in 72. No, not seventy-two. Six. No. Jeez. I left Texas with a PhD and went to do my postdoc in Canada uh, in 1970. So you can how many
2: how many generations of flies do you think that is?
0: <laughs> well, actually, you could do the math. You know, <laughs> really could. I know. Every ten days. Well, we just how, many, how many days are there in? 50 plus years and then divide by 10.
2: Oof. Yeah. <laughs> that's,
0: that's really hard oh. to do if you have to do it with Roman numerals. So.
2: Yes. <laughs> Three. Roman Three. numerals Three. really get you. There's yeah. no decimal place. so No decimals. No frac- cool. fraction. Yeah.
0: Can you imagine what the readout on the gas pump would be when you're pumping gas? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God. That would be horrible. There's no decimals, so I hope they're rounding down.
2: There's no zero <laughs> either, so... <laughs>
1: Everything is wrong. Oh no! Oh, that would be terrible. <laughs> well,
0: so, you know, they actually there are people out there running around right now that would like to take us back to before the Enlightenment. So, fifteen hundred would be MD. So, yep. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> there were some other plagues happening back then, I think, too. <laughs> Just
0: a few.
1: So. so
0: anyway, so that that then. So I did flies as a graduate student. I went, worked in Dave Suzuki's lab in Vancouver at the University of British Columbia <coughs> where I spent six years. And I, I, when Trump got elected, my wife and I looked into moving back.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, I maybe did a little bit too.
0: <laughs> but, we, but we can't you afford it. You are not alone. <laughs> Vancouver is so expensive now.
2: Yeah, I was looking at Winnipeg, so it would have been a little bit different.
0: <laughs> well, the peg has real winter. Oh, I yes. <laughs> I don't want real winter.
2: No. <laughs> they get, yeah, they get real yeah. winter. Sometimes you can see the northern lights, though, so there's that.
0: There's, there is that, yeah.
2: <laughs> I,
1: mean, I gave a
0: seminar at the University of uh, uh, Alberta in Edmonton in January. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: In January. Oh, Wow, many, they invite
2: speakers to go there in January?
0: It was my Well, a good friend asked me to come and do it. <laughs> okay. It was yeah. minus 50.
3: Not you that asked, good of a friend, Tom.
0: Is that Celsius?
3: <laughs> Not like Roman new <laughs> it doesn't
0: <laughs> Not matter. <Roman> <laughs> minus X. <laughs> Not that good of a friend that
3: asked you to come in January. <laughs> yeah, no.
0: Well, Ugh. they were lonely, I guess. <laughs> it was great. The side streets in town you know the little cars at Disneyland that run in the tracks yeah that's the way the streets were there was a little hump in the middle of the streets where the trash trucks and the school buses went made ruts for the tires so you had to go the way that the garbage trucks were.
2: <laughs> whoa oh <laughs> well, that's incredible i'm sure with snow that's even better
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. so oh, cool. oh, sure. well i mean you know it's, it's just everything was just ice oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah and when it, you know the peg gets that way too, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. Toronto would be a lovely city to live in, but gee, winter, wow.
2: Yeah, yeah, I have that same feeling about Chicago. Like I'm yeah. from Vermont, so I'm used to snow, but that's that winter feels different to me. I don't know why,
0: but it does. I mean, you know, minus fifty is not unusual. It should be. <laughs> oh, it's gonna it's gonna change. It's gonna change. It's slow. No, that's true. <laughs>
2: we will have summer homes there in a hundred years.
1: Who <laughs> will be able to afford a summer home. Are we joking? Oh, good point. Yeah, that
2: assumes we can afford homes. <laughs> we
1: <Well, laughs> can't even afford a home, let alone a summer
2: home.
0: <laughs> I'd just get a tent.
2: Yes, a tent. In the rated for minus 50 degrees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, find, a so
0: <laughs>
2: find a cave. Find a cave? I'd live in a cave. We so, <laughs> talk about this a lot, actually. Sometimes I think, maybe I should go live in
1: a cave. <laughs> talk about this a lot. Yeah, we um, do. <laughs> so before we watch the X-Files clip, there's one last thing um, I just want to touch on. So in the X-Files clip, they talk about homeosis and homeotic, so the Hox genes specifically. So, Tom, when did you start working on homeosis?
0: In Vancouver, actually. Okay. So... Uh, it's actually an in, kind of an interesting story if you're you know nerd like like we are. Uh, the, there, Ed Lewis had been working on the bithorax complex since forever, and he he started working on that when he was a student uh, with Sturtevant. And through the years, interesting mutations have been recovered, like one called antennapedia, which transforms the antennae into legs. Uh, there was also a mutation called proboscipedia, not proboscopedia, but proboscipedia, that transforms the mouth parts of the fly into legs or antennae, depending on the mutant allele. Uh, there were some mutations that were called extra sex combs mutations. There's multiple sex combs and extra sex combs. <clears throat> Males have these little structures on their front legs called sex combs that are used in mating. And these mutations put those sex combs on all six legs, on the second legs and the third legs, because they're transforming the second and third legs into first legs. And so what's happening here is that there's this phenomenon called homeosis that was originally defined by a guy named Bateson, uh, in which one structure or segment, in the case of a fly, gets transformed into the identity of another. So in other words, a leg normally forms on the thorax, but Antenopedia makes it come out of the head instead. And so these Hox genes were scattered around, or it was thought they weren't very well mapped uh, on the third chromosome. And so we thought, well, let's see, what is their association? Where are they with respect to one another? So we started, Ian Duncan and I made some proboscipedia mutations. We got some Antenopedia mutations. And we started mapping these things. And I was in the process of doing that when we left Vancouver and came to Indiana. I was on an annual contract at UBC. And so I didn't know whether I had a job from year to year. And the contract kept getting renewed, but I couldn't be sure of that. I had a wife, a small child, and I needed to have more secure future. So I was offered a tenure track job at Indiana. And I'll tell you what a culture shock it was moving from UBC to here. Wow, the science in Bloomington is great. The town was the armpit of the universe. It was horrible. Like, yeah,
2: and, yeah. I won't this go- This is what, into, the 70s?
0: And yeah, 76, yeah. 1976, it was and I'd be generous by calling it an arm yet. Okay.
3: Now come on, terahotte. Tarahote had to have
0: been worse. Well, that was another organ, you know, okay. <laughs> another <laughs> part, part of the human anatomy. Anyway. <laughs> so so I had I had made a little deletion in the chromosome that I could see cytologically. And I had set up a bunch of crosses. And we, we, Trudy and Aaron and I drove across the United States in a VW camper bus. We we're unrepentant hippies. I'm sorry, you know. And we, we stopped to look at the bears in Yellowstone and visited Trudy's cousin in Colorado. And we stopped and saw Rob DeMille and his wife in Manhattan, Kansas. And I changed my stocks in Rob's lab. And then we got to Bloomington (coughs) and I set up my lab, such as it was tiny little closet. And I scored some complementation crosses that I had done with that little tiny deficiency. Seeing if that tiny deficiency would help me map these homeotic mutations. And lo and behold, antenna the sex comb mutations, the probosopedia, and several other homeotic mutations all map to that tiny little deficiency. And I said, holy, yeah, it looks like all these things are clustered in this tiny little place, just like the bithorax pump. But all of these mutations are in the anterior end of the animal, not in the posterior, like the bithorax. So I, I, I went crazy. I just, if you're lucky sometime in your life, you will get an aha moment. And the, the, the endorphins will flow. And you'll just start running around and acting like a crazy person. I had to tell somebody, but I had just gotten here. I'd been here like a week. A guy named Tony Mahawald was downstairs and he is a fly guy. I ran downstairs, ran into Tony's office and started blathering and writing stuff on his blackboard in his office. Tony was an ex-Jesuit priest who had left the clergy and, be, and Gone into science. Tony was a, a very kind and decent man. So he sat there and he watched this mad thing in his office ranting and writing on the blackboard. And I could tell by the look on his face, he wanted out of there.
1: <laughs> oh, no.
0: He said, You know, what have we just hired? A complete maniac. <laughs> and I could tell, you know, I have some perception about people. And so I could tell that he was not reacting well to this. So I said, well, okay. I go. So I ran upstairs and I called my good friend from graduate school, Rob Donnell, who also was working on Hox genes. And I said, okay, what we've got to do is we've got to take that deficiency and saturate it with mutations. And, and so that summer... Robin Marty and their two daughters came to Bloomington and we spent the summer making mutations in my little infant lab. And that's the way the Antennapedia Complex was born. So oh, wow. proboscopedia.
2: <laughs> proboscopedia. All the way from that to Roboscopedia. Yeah.
0: And so do and so, you want the background of this thing you're going to play? Yes. How it came to be? Yes. So... I got a call one day from Chris Carter. This was years later. Chris Carter, for those who don't know, was the, the inventor and chief writer for X Files, the X Files. And he had a scientific advisor named Ann Simon, who was a grad student or postdoc with a guy here in this department named Milton Taylor. And so I had talked to Anne when she was still here. And so she knew about all this crazy stuff we were doing with these legs going out of the head and so on. And so she made the suggestion to Carter that he may, maybe should do a show based on this. So he said, oh, okay. So he called when he called me up, he said, I wanna come and visit you in your lab. And I said, okay. So he fr- flew, I'm not kidding, from Hollywood, a private plane. To
2: Bloomington, Indiana. Yeah,
0: Bloomington. Well, he, he he. I don't think in those days you could fly into Bloomington. I think he flew into Indy and had a limo drive him down here and deliver him.
2: I'm sure that this town probably hadn't seen very many limos before.
0: Well, I don't know that anybody knew that he was here or anything about the guy. So he came uh-huh. and he spent the day in the lab. He, I made drawings on a pad of paper uh, I told him about Flybase. I gave him a Flybase T-shirt, which appears in this yeah. clip. Uh, and their drawings on the blackboard—the the ovoid thing with the lines going through it—he just copied that off of this pad of paper that I gave him with all these drawings. And uh, and then my wife and I took him out to lunch. My wife was a big X Files and we took him out to lunch to, to the uh, uh, Uptown Cafe. Oh, nice. And you know the scene when Mulder and Scully, is that her name, Sully? Yes, Scully. Scully, yeah. Scully uh, walk into, the, into the, the restaurant and all the people are sitting at the counter and turn around and look at them. Yeah. I'm sure was inspired by his experience at the at the Uptown Cafe. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that scene and, and
1: I, they all get like very close to their faces in that scene. I was like, this is a scary town. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you know, he I think he came away from Bloomington with a very low opinion of the place. Uh it, it was Bovinia to him. And uh, you know, the whole idea of you know. Turning people into barnyard animals and things <laughs> like that. I just the opening scene when the the kid with the comic book gets in the old car smoking tailpipe. Did you notice that there's an Indiana license plate on that car?
1: Yes. Oh <laughs> <Absolutely>. no. <laughs> oh We're great. yesterday. Oh, it also yeah. starts with oh, yeah. Oh
0: yeah. It's a, it's a complete send up of of <laughs> the. And the final scene where, where the monster with the two mouths is sitting there at the concert, he wanted to get Cher to do mm-hmm. it, but she refused to do it because she yep. thought, and so they got the Cher impersonator to do it. Yeah. And when she found out about it, she was upset. She wished she would have done it. She yep. thought it was a hoot. Yeah, I thought she had
1: yeah, a conflict, good. which is why she couldn't do it. Yeah, and oh, they also okay. wanted Roseanne Barr to be the mother in the episode, but she also had a conflict. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, but i you know that if you watch it carefully and you live in Bloomington and you know about Indiana, you can see all of the digs that he takes at, at Indiana.
3: So yeah. good. Oh yeah. Um, so <laughs> they don't buy the uptown. There used to be a cafe that was called
0: is it ladyman's or layman's that was right down on the corner from the uptown there's a separate yeah. place. bobby knight used to eat there all the time
3: right uh-huh. and that's the one that i thought was more reminiscent i never i i didn't put uptown together
0: with that yeah we took him to the uptown i wouldn't go to yeah. ladyman's uptown. no no i'm sure you wouldn't No, <laughs> the food is awesome. i would <laughs>
1: yeah
0: no there was a, a another place oh god i can't remember the name of it that had quintessential hoosier cooking the the, the everything everything had, everything had sugar, sugar in it. Everything.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, there we go.
0: every in it. And and their 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 big item on the menu was shoe fly pie, which is just essentially sugar in a pie crust.
2: Yeah. Stacy talked about that. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it. The, 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 in the Hoosier sugar pie or something I did a trivia this was an answer to one and I was like I don't know what that means
0: <laughs> and then you know can you imagine you take sweet potatoes and bake them and then put marshmallows on top of them that's yeah. re- that's revolting
2: <laughs> <I agree. laughs> it's also delicious I will I will admit that I do really enjoy it
0: no no no
2: yeah <laughs> no, that
1: was so gross I agree
0: not yeah, oh. just pour some syrup on it too yeah you know? i
2: mean i eat it not as a dinner thing but more as a dessert thing <laughs> yeah but yeah i do still like it um so to- so tom is, is the main character in this episode based on you are you yes. are you the basis for the main character in this episode
0: yes unfortunately that's true <laughs> i should also tell you that after this thing aired you will notice that if you watch the credits and everything despite the fact that he used all kinds of stuff that I gave him, there is no mention whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Now, on the one hand, that kind of pisses me off a little.
2: Yeah.
0: The other hand, it's a good thing because I can't imagine the amount of crap that I would have been handed <laughs> by my colleagues if they had known. put your <laughs> children I,
2: your Emmy and told them to get out of your office.
0: <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get it. He's, he's the one that did it all. I mean, you know, I... Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I think that's what it was. I mean, yeah. the, the line, like, why do you do this? Because I can. Because I can.
1: So they, uh, they call Dr. Polidori, I think that's his name, the modern Frankenstein. Do you yeah. get, were you also called the modern Frankenstein in the time? Never, never. Never.
0: No, it's wild
1: because people say that about me and I'm like, all I'm doing is making ectopic eyes. Get out of here. It's because <laughs> you're blind with a stack of eyes.
0: These are the same people who want to do away with Arabic numerals, right? I mean, <laughs> yes.
1: they're,
0: they're, just, they're just, let me be kind, uninformed. And, uninformed is kind, yes. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, but I could tell from his tone of voice, sort of like Tony Mahawal's look of terror, uh, that that Chris Carter was afraid I was gonna be really pissed off. Mm, okay. Did you like it? Did you like it? Yeah, I said yeah, it was fine. Yeah. yeah. You
1: you're you're low-key. I looked at the Wikipedia page for the episode and it says that Ann Simon contacted a friend at uni- Indiana University. So you're listed at least as a friend. <laughs> but it doesn't say your name. No. Yeah. Which, as
2: I you know, said, might maybe key. is for the best.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I although lots of people in the fly community know about it because uh when I gave the the old fart lecture at the fly meeting, uh Mark Seeger, who was a student of mine in, in the introduction, pointed all of this out. And then a, a section of my talk actually covered this scene that you're going to that you're going to show. Yes. So I yeah. I, I don't know. It, my 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 wife was was just amazed that this guy actually came here.
1: I mean, I'm a little amazed too. That's incredible. Yeah. Did you know? Did you know that this year during our recruitment weekend, Jason talked about this episode to the students?
0: You're kidding.
1: He was like, "Oh, you should come to Indiana University. Like, we have such great scientists." Did you know we have an X Files episode about one of the scientists at Indiana <laughs> University? And I was like which That's is why I emailed you because i was like thomas never actually gotten credit for this though oh
0: no, no no i think i think that there's enough people like you guys yeah um, that know about it. yeah
2: unless there's all the iu stuff in the in the in his office or in his lab yeah and the fly base t-shirt
1: so caitlin you haven't seen the screen the scene though right I mean, I, so I,
2: I admittedly love The X-Files and have probably watched the whole show a bunch of times, but I don't remember this specific episode. I feel like I will once we get going, but. Okay.
1: So this is the scene. I've seen it. I feel like, so I saw it in Genetics. Jason played it in Genetics. Tom, you played it in Development so we could talk about it. Um, so I've seen it a few times. I watched the whole episode last night. I do have to say, this is the only time I've ever watched The X-Files was this episode. So I thought The X-Files was all in black and white until last night. <laughs> oh my gosh why do you oh <laughs> my then, gosh uh, and then i learned that the twilight zone was actually <laughs> the one in black and white Yeah. Um, so that is um my sad <laughs> story <laughs> anyway so there is this. where's the video hold on oh, there it comes it turned on as soon as i stopped sharing. Did you,
0: i like the lightning lighting up the skeleton too i mean you know.
1: maybe hulu doesn't let you screen share a video that's unfortunate. oh no so... well we can listen to the audio we'll listen to the audio at least We'll at least get the proboscopedia.
0: <laughs> <laughs> flies escaping.
1: The flies escaping kills me. Also, why are they in a petri dish?
0: Yeah, we don't grow flies in petri dish.
1: <laughs> no, like not. At- also, I'm pretty sure they're house flies. That's yeah, I was gonna say those do not sound like yeah. fruit flies.
0: Yeah, no, they were house flies. It was <laughs> much more domestic. But this is
1: the this is the fly based T-shirt that you gave, right?
0: Yes. OK. The, the nerd technician, the little yep. guy with the glasses. And you can see him wandering around with the Flybase, <laughs> the old Flybase logo on it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Were you the head of Flybase at this point?
0: Uh, Flybase has always been a consortium. I OK, was,
1: that's what I thought. but
0: Yeah, so the, there were two PIs here at, at IU, Kathy Matthews and me. And, and then there were people at Cambridge, England, and people at Harvard. So it was it was three groups. Okay. But we we so we had all together about five PIs. Okay,
1: that makes
0: sense. To the University of Ingolstadt.
1: Have you ever been to the University of Ingolstadt?
0: <laughs> Ingolstadt, Ingolstadt. It's a very, famous, very famous place.
1: Have you given a talk there? There's no such place. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I did, it was the one thing I didn't have time to Google last night. <laughs> he just made it up. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was... So any funny. real place. <laughs> no. Granted, in the rest he is in the rest of the episode, so he doesn't go anywhere. That Engel, is...
0: Ingolstadt, I think it's a brand of cheap California wine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. Oh, my God. University of Manashevitz, we're going there next. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God.
0: oh don't mention Manashevitz. <laughs> oh,
2: oh it's so bad. Like <laughs> many a Seder, yes.
0: All, the, all, the, oh. all those... That's like, uh, oh, God. Look. <laughs> <laughs> you pour that on pancakes for breakfast.
1: I'll put oh, that on my sweet no. potatoes
2: with marshmallows next <laughs> time.
1: <laughs> oh, you're gonna get diabetes uh, immediately. <laughs> diabetes <laughs> immediately. <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: The into a series of No, but it's not a pupa. It's an <laughs> embryo.
1: Is this Tom? Is this your video?
0: Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I know you you showed us these videos. Even before. ripped off my movie. I mean, you know.
1: <laughs> you should at least get movie credit. Yeah, really though. Yeah, so this is for obviously those who can't see. It's an embryo developing. <laughs> yeah, pupa. not a lot.
2: not a pupa, <laughs> or
0: whatever. Not he a well, there he's pointing at that thing that he drew on the blackboard yeah. that I had drawn on a on a pad of paper, which he. Took and carefully folded up and stuck into his jacket pocket. Mm, mm-hmm. so
1: that's oh,
0: that's the segmentation thing. Of course, no no credit given to uh, Vichows and Newsline Bolhaar either for the whole segmentation. <laughs> I know <laughs> they're my
1: genius.
0: genius. That's right. You're genius is genius. Yes.
3: Well, for Boscomedia. <laughs> <laughs> how this
0: how this segues you know and i told them that these genes exist in human beings and and i said but there's no way in hell you should be able to you should do anything like this mess with these things and yeah people
1: because then they go on to being like could you do this in humans and they're like theoretically
0: yeah right so (sighs) again that's quoting right yeah yeah
1: so it, uh, they go on to say, oh, the I fly has legs for mouth parts, which is still not true. It has legs for antenna, <laughs> um, not mouth parts. So, yeah, it's the oh, episode God. really got me because it was. <laughs> have you did? Were you a fan of the Jerry Springer stuff? Should
2: I know you? its reaction to Jerry Springer still confuses me so much. Jerry Springer.
0: Well, i think i think that was meant to scare him and it terrified him because he yeah. didn't dr Polidori did not want to have his work demeaned by being on the jerry springer show right. Is the- was demeaned by being on Xbox. <laughs> oh, <no.
1: laughs> Throughout the episode the doctor talks about wanting a nobel prize for his yeah. work um and there was a nobel prize for hawk's jeans
0: went to ed lewis and that was completed And Yanni and Eric, and Yanni, Eric, and Ed deserve to win the Nobel Prize. No two ways about it. No, absolutely. The the Nobel Committee often screws up, but that time they did not. I have a poster in the hallway of that medal. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really, yeah. That was, yeah, it was great. I read all of the, all of Ed Lewis's work as well for my prelims because I was afraid people would ask about it and then no one asked anything yeah. about it and I was like oh okay. By people do you mean Tom? <laughs> well Tom wasn't on my prelims committee. Oh
2: that's right that's right yeah <laughs> I forgot.
1: Yeah I had the like most inconveniently day of prelims because we oh, yeah. it had its global shutdown during my prelim and so it was just an absolute disaster. Yeah
2: it was like during <laughs> my master's good. my master's thesis defense uh one of my committee members was she was the vet at at Animal Kingdom and Disney and there was literally a hurricane hitting Florida the day of my master's thesis so I'm like well I can't graduate if you can't listen to my thesis so let's just hope the internet stays on for the next hour and a half and then we eventually lost her during the private question session which was fine but (laughs) that was not a fun day for me
0: (laughs) you know lots of institutions have external examiners like that Mm -hmm. and what this, all this Zooming we've been doing, I have a suggestion to the graduate program here is we should have external examiners. I agree. And you could do it by Zoom. Nobody has to get on an airplane and go anywhere.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, this was well before I knew what Zoom was. I don't think we did Skype. It was like Meeting or something, whatever it was. But yeah, there, it was, It worked out fine. The only thing was during prelims, the room I set it up in was a conference room that had a huge TV. So she was like, she was literally like the wizard of Oz, like in the (laughs) corner, just like asking (laughs) me questions in this huge face. (laughs) So that that was intimidating. But otherwise, yeah, I loved having her up on my committee and she never, I don't think she ever actually made a trip out to visit us, so.
1: I like having seminars on Zoom because we can invite more international workers. Yes. International scientists. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, like last week we had someone from france and it was like 11 p.m there but by the time she finished her talk i felt bad but it was really great yeah, yeah did,
0: did you guys listen to the the american association uh, gave medals to uh trudy schupak and uh yeah. ruth Lehman? did you listen to that yeah i didn't know oh, that oh that's too bad those are know. two absolute stars
3: yeah Allie, that talk was recorded. You can actually okay. see it. You can, you can go back yeah, and see
0: it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Those are two really smart people. And
1: so in the last four-ish minutes, we have two more questions for both of you. Mel, will probably also bring you in, um, if you want for another episode where we can talk about your science and like past as well.
2: Oh, Okay. If you would like. of your, more of your fire starter past and all this.
1: Yeah. I have lots of stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what is the coolest thing that science has led you to? So, coolest experience, coolest finding, something on those lines.
0: deep in thought.
3: Well, I, you know, my experiences have been wide, varied and wide, so I'm trying to figure out if there's something other than, other than, you know, the Festivus Miracle or, um, <laughs> or you know, or the things that we figured out with CNN that were, you know, the, the, the boxy, uh images that tank was was collecting
1: and um cnn is the protein that you worked on right it was the,
3: yeah the gene yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah the gene i that just that didn't want people to listen and, that and be like CNs yeah, cnn the network yeah, no. um
0: <laughs> so although the gene is named after the network
3: it is yeah oh i didn't um, know that.
0: Intentions. But I probably
3: would put it with one of those microscopy events that Tank had. That was so shocking, and it was every time he came up with something, it would be like, "You guys got to come see this." And it was, yeah, it was those moments that um, that we had all worked toward, and that he was, you know, imaging on the on the screen, and we were all huddling around it to you know to get a to get a good view and be the first ones to see it. I that was. Yeah, that was probably my to date probably my coolest coolest
2: moment inside. So. Yeah, those are always good days. And That's my PI's favorite. Yeah. My fa- my PI's favorite sentence is, "I have to show you something." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's always it's it's always exciting or weird. Weird is often <laughs> the case for me, but it's exciting yeah. sometimes too. <laughs> yeah,
1: I would agree.
2: Allie, did we want to ask the same question of Tom? I'm sure he has too many. Oh to yeah. Know. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, I already told you it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> a Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, finding the Antennapedia complex. I yeah. mean,
1: True. once in a lifetime.
0: <laughs> it's going to be hard to top that.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, honestly. And do either of you have any hobbies or things you like to do in your free time that like help you decompress from a hard day of science?
3: Well, I um I have several hobbies um and I also have Sort of absorb some of my husband's hobbies as he has taken over being a farmer of our 30 acres that we got a couple of years, ago, ten years ago now. Um, but I, I do a lot of yarn work. I do the crocheting and the and the knitting thing, and um, I also do genealogy. It's 12 of my family, lot. so. Ooh, okay. um, so that's that's something else that I that I dig into every now and then. Um, but when I need to be away from a screen. I go to the more of the, the, the yarn crafts.
2: Do you I have take any animals on your farm or is it all like crops and stuff like that?
3: Um, well, we're, um, we're what they would probably classify a hobby farm. So we have chickens and turkeys. Um, oh, turkeys, wow. Yeah, ghostwood farm. Uh, we have lots of eggs available okay. um, and we've actually, started shift because we weren't doing a lot of annual crops and it was it takes up your entire summer like mm-hmm. your whole summer is gone um and we have small kids that's that's really rough um so we've actually shifted gears the last few years to try and be more annual about it or uh, more perennial crops i guess so we have a bunch of asparagus um strawberry plants went in bunch of other berries and um Adam's actually starting the orchard so we got a bunch of apple trees last year and this year he got in cherries and plums and
2: something else Ooh, okay that's
3: exciting yeah so that's that's all that's all him though I'm just kind of along for the ride there and you know
2: what are we doing today Yep, that's how that's how I would like to be a farmer too just just point me in a direction I don't know what I'm doing
3: (laughs) oh neither one of us know what we're doing we're figuring it out on on the way but
1: Some
0: things work and some things don't. Tom, do you have any hobbies? I'm. It's sad to say, don't do much outside of the lab. The only thing that I like to do other than work in the lab is travel.
1: Yeah. And I love.
0: I love going to Europe. And this past year and a half is killing me.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So every other year we'd go to Greece and. I'm trying to convince Melissa, based on her genealogy, that she should go to Greece too.
1: Everyone should go to Greece. It's gorgeous.
0: Well, she's half Greek, so.
2: true. Sure. Yep. You really. Go. I really want to go, and I have absolutely no connection to Greece. Almost <laughs> yeah, I'm 100%. I'm 98% Irish, but I still want to go.
0: <laughs> and you should go to Ireland.
2: Oh, I've been yeah. twice.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the place. My family's I, very I, Irish. Yeah. 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 My, yeah. Wife, my, mom, my wife. My yeah. Wife has a large Irish component, so. She wants to go there and I'd be happy to go with her.
2: Oh, yes, you should. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful.
1: I'm very Polish, but I've never been to Poland. I would also love to go to Poland.
0: Well, I don't think right now is a good time to
1: go. Right, politically, probably not the best time. These are
0: a little in turmoil there right now. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah. so I'll wait. Um, And then just because we are over time, the final thing is if there's any uh, like science advocacy or policy thing that you're very passionate about that you want to plug. uh,
0: I've been thinking about this. Yeah. And I think you need to really push the value of basic research. And if you think about, okay, what, where did restriction enzymes come from? They became a very important part of the pharmaceutical industry, less so now. What about polymerase chain reaction? What was the origin of PCR? Thermophilic bacteria. The guy who was working on thermophilic bacteria wasn't thinking about PCR when he was characterizing those bugs. And last and certainly not least, CRISPR. What are the origins of CRISPR? cheese making. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you can get that across to the people out there who want to do away with Arabic
1: numerals,
0: (laughs) that Uh. that you cannot predict what basic research is going to provide you in the future.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And those three things that I just mentioned, restriction enzymes, It's interesting, the two of them are bacterial immune system things. But anyway, restriction enzymes, PCR, and CRISPR have revolutionized the world. And uh, that's not an exaggeration. Who would have thought that cheese making would result in the ability to cure people of, of sickle cell.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Know. I feel like Caitlin and I often bash our head against the wall, especially with grant writing Yeah, because there's so much emphasis put on broader impacts. And sometimes we're like, basic research is so important. Please just listen to us I know, because <laughs> we both yeah. do very more basic.
0: Well, but the research. problem is this is you you're running into the politics of the NIH mm-hmm. yeah. and they have to justify their existence. And it, it became especially hard over the last four years. Yeah.
1: yeah, of course. And Caitlin and I are both currently leaning towards going to science policy after grad school, um, specifically in the capital. Mel, no, don't make that face. Sorry. <laughs> well, at least for like the AAAS fellowship program and then oh, yeah. go from there.
3: Okay, it.
1: Uh, it. might not be long-term, I, but
3: yeah. I had a brief foray into the Department of Environmental Quality and Department <laughs> of Environmental Policy in the states of Massachusetts and Virginia, and um, we, uh, science, I have an opinion on science policy that probably okay. isn't great, but, um,
0: we'll but that's now, for another conversation. Well, the problem is not scientists figuring out what should be the policy; it's the friggin' politicians that screw it up.
3: That's right, and that's and that's the biggest issue. And getting them either to come on board or pulling them out of it completely is basically the best thing you can do <laughs> as far as scientific policy is concerned uh, and moving science forward um, and being an advocate for science in in policy is uh, a a giant headache
1: yeah. yeah and
0: i don't see i, I want to put the pain somewhat lower oh yeah yeah um
3: it's it's quite painful and it's unfortunate because funding should be there yeah regardless of political affiliation and it's not i mean i i think from that regard if we can push the history of science um and how how these different things changed our world like All of the things that happened at NASA in the 60s and 70s has really driven GPS and mapping and why Google exists and like all of those things.
2: Cell phones, all those things. Cell phones,
3: all of it, all of it. Mm -hmm. Was really had a birth in the 60s and 70s and all the technology that was coming forward there. And the things that people don't understand about that I mean, even so, if you can approach science from a historical aspect to the to the layman, if you will, or people who don't have scientific background or interest, um, if you can push it from that perspective, that might even like blow people's minds. And be like, "Oh, I didn't realize that." I mean, the conversations. How many of us have had a conversation with somebody where you say something offhanded like that, and they're like, "Oh, really?" And you think that's common knowledge, right? And it's shocking. To know that
2: people don't know that thing because yeah. What what happens is you have somebody come visit IU and talk to Tom and then go back to Hollywood and mess everything up. Right. <laughs> so that happens in policy too. Right. Yeah. They hear what they want to hear and then they go back and talk about it. Right. And cast the
3: same man that played Jake Peterman in the role. I mean, you know, yeah, it's that you
2: a little bit so. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah. I'm listening to the voice like oh yeah this guy yeah yeah <laughs> <So>. that guy. <laughs> that
0: guy. <laughs> They, yep. they, they just don't care
2: oh, yeah, right.
0: they just don't care yep. it's amazing how many people out there are ignorant and proud of it mm-hmm. and they they just have no interest in learning it sturdivant one of my great heroes and should be one of your great heroes too used to have a couple he loved aphorisms he was a he was a fountain of aphorisms one of them was, the flies always tell the truth. You just have to be smart enough to know what they're telling you. And, uh, and he said, there's a difference between scientists and normal people. All children are born curious. As we age, normal people lose that curiosity. Scientists don't. And yep. that's absolutely true. But then he added to it, my favorite part of the aphorism was, Unfortunately, they also maintain all the other childish attributes. (laughs) (laughs) It's my mutant. You can't have it. (laughs) So true. So
2: true. We bring this up in our ethics class (laughs) Allie.
1: No, but I mean, even science, I'm taking science communication right now with Claire Walczak, and she's added a component of just being able to talk about Vaccine, the vaccine and disseminating misinformation about that. She's added it to the course. Cause she's like, this is something we need you to know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. And Caitlin and I uh, made a module for the undergrad class that we both teach. Well, Caitlin's not teaching it currently but we have a whole thing about science misinformation and I called it fake news. And then the students like rebelled and they got really mad that it was too political for their science class uh, last like semester. And so I just switched the title back to misinformation and then they have to go through and uh, like read an article, write something about it, all of that, because we're like, you need to know this. I don't care if you're going to go become a doctor or a physical therapist or you're going to go to exactly. graduate school. Oh, need more this attention you
2: need because you'll never get this again in med school. <laughs> so pay yeah. more attention right now. <laughs> but yes.
0: Most, most physicians are just human mechanics.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: With oh, that's the so ability something. to prescribe drugs. Yeah. They, yeah, they don't. They don't really understand how it works. You know? Yeah,
2: that's true. I would say it's probably pretty rare if they do. Well, well right. I mean, their
3: their training is to learn the flowchart. Right. Is they ask the question, yes, no, then yeah. you move down this pathway. Yeah. Ask the Medicine question, yes, the no. Yeah, it's a flowchart, and so yeah. if you don't follow their flowchart, then
1: that's they it. don't know.
0: I have a great story. I went to see my internist, because when you get old, you have to go see them every so often. And he was a really good guy. I really liked him. You know, you know and he helped me with some stuff. And, you know, so I, I have no problems with him. In the early days of CRISPR, when uh, Doudna and Carpentier first came out with his stuff, I uh, I was all excited about it. And I went in and I used to, when I go in, and sit there in the room when he was doing stuff to me, and I would tell him stuff about what's going on in science. And I told him about CRISPR, and it was obvious that the, even in the early days that this was going to revolutionize medicine. And and I told him about it. I said, "This is fabulous. You know, you should go read some stuff about this." And he said, "Yeah, well, where can I look up the, the, this? And I, I want to invest." That was his response. Not not. Not that I'm going to find out more about yeah. my profession and how it, you know, I want to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Which,
2: I mean, I guess if it still forces you to learn about it, like, great. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so I don't know what he ever did. Nor yeah. do I care. He retired. So
2: Retired to an island somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On the money he made from Christmas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I,
0: I would be very surprised if he invested in anything, but
2: yeah. I mean, yeah. Too early in
0: the too early in the game.
2: Call so. your broker and ask to invest in CRISPR and they'll be like, uh,
1: what uh, is that? Uh, is that a company? I you understand. mean KFC? I mean, Chris- <laughs> no, not crispy, CRISPR.
2: <laughs> Isn't that a
1: cereal? <laughs> it does sound like a cereal. Rice
0: Crisper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Rice Crisper. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is that's the next video I'm gonna make, Caitlin. Yeah. For I'm gonna,
2: I'm gonna say I'm gonna make a, like a diagram of how CRISPR works out of Rice Krispie treats now because that's not really fun. <laughs> incredible. Don't,
1: don't you really
0: think, don't it. you think that the rice people are out there making CRISPR mutants like crazy?
2: Oh yeah, sure. yeah. 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 Rice corn. I'm sure they're all doing it.
1: I <laughs> mean, Roger Innes' lab specifically does a whole bunch of stuff to like make their crops more resistant to yeah. pathogens. Yeah, plants Is are it, wild. I don't like plants, but they're wild. I just don't like their genetics, but they're, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep them alive. I can keep my flies alive. I cannot keep a plant alive. Yeah.
0: Well, corn is a very important component of the fly media. So. It's
1: true, yeah. It's true. I, we're just very lucky here that Kevin helps make the food. Yeah. Yeah. Because You mean like, Kevin
0: who actually makes the food or Kevin yes. Cook?
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, we're, we're very lucky for both of them. Honestly, the fly community at Indiana was one of the reasons I came to IU. Granted, Tom, I did apply to IU because I wanted to work in your lab and I didn't read the website first.
2: Tom was like, I'm retiring.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then I read the website and was like, oh, this is very embarrassing. Hey, at, oh. least
2: you didn't, at least you didn't accept an offer at Utica College, think it was in New York City, and then take an eight-hour train out of New York City to realize you were not going to be in New York. One of my friends did that. In her defense, she's from Kenya and didn't realize that New York was more than New York City. But yeah. uh, whoops! Yeah. That eight-hour train ride really, uh, really woke her up to the fact that New York is much bigger than New York City.
0: Yeah. Oh, you want to hear a Nobel Prize winner story?
2: Oh, definitely, Isn't like that. Yes, Eric
0: Vichas. This was back when he was still in in uh, Europe and working with Yanni. He he was so he was in Switzerland at the time, I think, and so he. Uh, uh, Tony Mahawald invited him to come and give a seminar. So he arranged through a Swiss travel agent to get an airplane ticket to Bloomington. Oh no. Oh no. He went to Bloomington, Illinois.
2: Yep. Was yeah. there in
3: Minneapolis. No one.
0: No one was there to meet him.
3: Oh no. Oh. No.
0: So, and this was pre-cell phone days. So finally he got a hold of a phone and called Tony and said, where is everybody? And he says, well, where are you? It was Bloomington, Illinois. Well, you're in the wrong place. So he hired a Chrysler uh, station wagon and drove it from Bloomington, Illinois to Bloomington, Indiana. He arrived like five minutes before the seminar.
2: Oh, God. Oh, my God.
0: They load, this was the four computers loaded a carousel with a slide, mm-hmm. and gave a very nice talk. <laughs> wow.
2: Luckily, it's only a couple hours away. Because yeah.
0: Of- what if he'd gone to Bloomington, Minnesota?
2: Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. goodness.
0: I want to have lunch.
1: Yes. Yeah, i will well let, let you go. I want to eat lunch before class. OK. Yes. All right. But thank right. you so much. It was great interviewing both of you.
0: OK. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Bye bye.
1: Uh, bye, everybody. Also, if you would like to reach us, feel free to email us at our gmail at protonationnation at gmail.com. That's P-R-O-T-O-N-A-T-I-O-N-N-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at is underscore this underscore science on Twitter and is this science on Instagram. Please feel free to reach out to us if you want to be part of the podcast or if you have any topics or especially how to knots that you would like included in the show.